Welcome to the Manager Track, the leadership podcast where we help ambitious managers across the ranks become confident and competent leaders people love to work for. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw. Welcome, welcome. This is episode number 50. I think this is an exciting number, although we're two weeks shy of a full year of weekly podcast episodes. And for those of you who have been loyal listeners, I am so grateful for you. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, I am thrilled that you're here. Today, I'm going to go a little bit on a rant. Um, There are certain topics that I plan way in advance, and then there are certain topics that just come up, and I start having a really strong urge that I want to talk about it, because it's top of mind for me. And today, it's going to be one of those topics. We're going to talk about what we need to unlearn from school when we become leaders in the workplace or even outside the workplace. But three things that weren't taught to us in school in a way that makes us be good leaders. So by the end of this podcast, you will not only know what those three things are, but I'm also going to invite you to think about where these old patterns that were developed and programmed into our brains potentially still show up for you here or there. They definitely do for me and I'm still working on sort of undoing some of those things. But once you know what to pay attention to, you can then start sort of tracking it as you go through your days and as you observe yourself and you can start become a lot more self-reflective to notice what's going on and then find moments to make a decision to practice something else, to do something different than what you have maybe been patterned to do in the past. Okay, I hope your excitement is up and you're curious to hear what those three things are. So the first one is that we learned in school that we should have the answers. Yes, who was considered to be smart in school and to do well? The people who knew answers to the teacher's questions, which is all great. I get it. Don't get me wrong. I get that in the educational system, it's about learning things and therefore knowing the answer is beneficial. Although I could go on a little detour about the whole uh, fact that information is nowadays at our fingertips and that knowing things and having information should no longer really be a priority in our education system. But that aside, so in school, we learn that we should have information and we should know answers and we should be giving answers. And that, yes, probably helped you if... School was easy for you and you learned fast and that was an advantage. You knew the answers and then in in university it was helpful and then early on in your career it was helpful to absorb a lot of information and to have answers. But then when you transition into a leadership role, this is when you have to unlearn this practice and it's moving from being directive and advice giver and a problem solver into a coach and helping others be successful, helping others be resourceful, helping others not only own the task, but also figure out how to come up with solutions. Giving answers is no longer the best response in many cases. So instead, we have to completely flip the script. And it's all about asking good questions. And actually, if you think about this, what would we all as a society look like if in school we weren't taught 
just information and knowledge and having answers, but instead we were taught how to ask good questions, how to be curious, how to probe, how to challenge. And that'd be so awesome. Well, I may start on that in any case. I know there's schools out there who really foster this. I, I had to learn this the hard way. I had to go through this transition from giving advice and thinking that's a good thing to then realizing, oh, me having all the answers is actually not empowering to others. It's not encouraging them. It's not coaching them. It is not motivating them to be all in, to figure things out, to learn for themselves. So that is the first shift that we have to make and it's different than what we've learned in school. The second shift has to do with emotions and feelings. So don't, don't hang up on me right now talking about emotions, especially those of you who don't talk about this a lot. So hang in there with me. The idea that our emotions and our feelings are driven and caused by other people and circumstances is what most of us have implicitly or, or explicitly been taught in our childhood and in school. When that is actually not true. It is never a situation or an other person that makes us feel a certain way. It is always our thoughts and our interpretations of the situation. And no, I'm not delusional. I know there are bad things and good things. So don't get me wrong. I get all that. We want to feel sad and upset and angry about certain things. But when you start separating that there is a circumstance and that is completely neutral and there is a person, they're doing something that someone else could look at this situation and they would not flinch. And I'm over here going crazy. So what's different? It's how we interpreted what this other person did or said. Plus, when you take 100% responsibility of your emotions, it brings back all the power into your hands. You're now the one who is in charge and no one else is to blame for how you feel. It is and feels so empowering. And I think that especially as parents, this is one of those things that I'm very, very passionate about teaching my kids that no one else is responsible for how they feel except for them. They get to choose what they make things mean and how they want to feel about it. It is not a circumstance. It is not another person who makes them angry or sad or upset. But this is a conscious switch that we have to make. And most of us, including myself, we don't figure this out, if at all, until we're already in our adulthood. If this is a new concept to you, the idea that you are 100% responsible for your emotions, I also like to refer to this as emotional maturity, which is, by the way, not a term that I coined. But this is a great description of what it feels like and what it looks like when someone takes complete responsibility for their emotions. And when we practice this and we make that shift, we become way more impactful as a leader, way more effective in connections, in collaboration, and in communication with other people. Because we're not blaming anymore. We're not finger pointing at others. We're taking complete responsibility. So that is the second shift that we need to make from what we've learned in school to what is actually helping us create a better life, being more impactful and have better relationships with other people and with ourselves today. The third and last one that I want to mention here 
has to do with failure. And I talked about failing as a leader and in a leadership role in our last week's podcast episode. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go check it out. It's episode number 49. But today I want to look at it from the perspective of what we've learned in school versus what is helpful when you're in a leadership role. What we've learned in school is that success gets rewarded. You want to be successful, right? You want to have good grades and when you fail at something or you don't give the right answer in class, then that is considered a failure and we're being reprimanded either by the teacher or by our friends or by our parents. But we got this backwards because when we look at all the people who are highly successful as business leaders, as sales leaders, as people leaders, they all stumbled at times. They all failed. But what the successful people have in common is that they got back up. They didn't make this failing mean that they are a failure and therefore they can't do this particular thing. Instead, I looked at it and said, oh, I got to learn more. There's something different to try. And now I see something that I didn't see before, which is awesome. And so when we think about what we've learned in school about failure being a bad thing, then don't we have this all backwards? How about we teach our kids and we teach our team members at the same time that failing, and I mean smart failing, not lazy failing where someone isn't doing the job and they're only putting half the effort into it or they're being sloppy and therefore they failed. That's not what I'm talking about. Smart failure is what I'm talking about. So trying something, giving it their best, but then it not working out, that should be rewarded. And getting them back up and reframing their mindset about what this failure point means to them is a huge opportunity for any leader. It builds so much trust and loyalty and it strengthens that that relationship with your direct reports if you can take that on. But also for yourself. So when you fail and you have a setback or a challenge and you're not happy with the outcome or with the way that you responded, it is just information. It's a signal that there's more to learn or something else to try. That is it. So in school, we learned failing is a bad thing and you shouldn't be proud of it and we don't want to fail. As leaders, instilling this idea that failing smartly is a good thing and we should keep trying it and learn from it and reflect from it and even celebrate it, that it, to me is inspiring leadership. And there are companies out there who have specific meetings set up where they celebrate failures and mistakes and they debrief and they take lessons out of it and they share it. But it starts with the leader. It starts with you to be vulnerable and to role model that this is a safe space where we can share these failures because we're learning from it. So if it's been a while since you've done that, then I would encourage you that you take the opportunity in your next team meeting to share a mistake or a failure that you had in the past, to debrief with your team and what you're learning here and what they might learn from hearing your story and then showcasing what you're thinking about all of this, what you made that mean and how you're getting back up and how you're persisting. This practice idea of the growth mindset that you can always evolve. There's no limit to your potential. 
that has to start with the leader. So with that said, let me do a quick recap. The three things that we learned in school that I think are hurtful and not helpful in a leadership role is first off that it's not answers and information that make you a good leader. It's asking thought-provoking, challenging, and curiosity-driven questions that make you a better leader. Number two, it is not that other people create your feelings and your frustrations or annoyance or even other things, circumstances. It is always your thoughts. And so having emotional maturity means to take 100% responsibility of how you feel. No finger pointing. For example, if someone comes late to meetings all the time, you could say, hey, Listen, let's talk about you coming late to meetings. When you do this, what goes on for me is that I'm starting to think that I can't rely on you or can't depend on you or that you're not following through with your commitments. And that's not helpful for our relationship. See how I used words such as what I make that mean is or how I interpret this or the assumption that I'm making because of that or the story that I'm making up. All these things, but I'm taking responsibility for my thoughts and the stories I'm creating when I interpret a certain situation. It's not a finger pointing at the other person. And then the last one we talked about is that failing should be encouraged, should be celebrated, should be reflected upon. There should be a safe space to create and allow failure. It is through failure and getting back up that we become more successful and more innovative and more creative. It's not what we've learned in school that failure is a bad thing. We got that wrong, I think. I'd love to hear from you. So email me at contact at RamonaShaw.com. And if you find this inspiring and you want to build a practice to start reflecting on your wins, on your failures, on how you're taking responsibility, on your thoughts, on your emotional maturity, then I have a perfect tool for you to get started. Go check out the career journal on my website, RamonaShaw.com forward slash shop. I will also drop the link in the show notes. And that career journal comes with a bunch of tools for you to gain clarity on your current leadership level, but also has 52 weekly reflections in there for a full year to reflect back on your week and to capture your wins and losses, capture feedback, capture insights and ideas that you had on much, much more. So this is how you can take this episode to the next level and start practicing it with a dedicated tool. So go check out that link. And again, I'd love to hear from you. Email me or message me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. You'll find the links in the show notes below. And with that, I'm going to tune out and I'll talk to you again next week. Bye for now. If you love this show, then you love even more my free training for new managers. If you haven't watched this training yet, then I'll strongly encourage you to sign up at RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass. You'll discover the key shifts you'll need to make as a new manager and the number one most common mistake to avoid. Plus, you'll walk away with actionable tips that you can apply in your role right away. Go to RamonaShaw.com forward slash masterclass to sign up.